I would spend time reading this gentleman's bio, but it's so prolific and long that it's actually... I don't know. I think it's probably going to be more interesting to speak with him, but here's the website for you, leespiegel.com, S-P-E-I-G-E-L, leespiegel.com. And he joins us via Skype somewhere down, I think, in New York. Is that right, Lee? Yes. Yes, Drew. And how are you today? Doing quite well. Listen to that accent. Can you say coffee for me? I can say coffee, but what you should ask me is, Say something like, I'm going to go park the car in the backyard. <laughs> okay, go for it. Well, I, well, I just did it. No. I, well, no. I, was, I was born, I, I grew up partially in Boston, and that's the Boston accent. And when I first started being on radio on, on NBC in New York, they told me I had to get rid of that part of my speech. They, they considered it an impediment. Well, speaking of impediments, uh, Tim the Tool, my engineer, yes, is here the entire show. He's thrilled yes. to speak with you today, um, because Hi, no, and don't we don't talk to Tim. You know, I'll do it as oh, uh, no, no, don't don't. Mr. Kennedy just down the the, the island there. Yeah, you. he's going to start doing voices like JFK. Oh, okay. um, Lee, uh, let's get. There's so much to talk about, and you know, ne there's never enough time on radio. Let's get right to okay. your UFO experience. What happened? Um, in 1975, I was in the middle of producing a, a unique vinyl. Remember vinyl records, yes. Drew? Mm -hmm. I was putting together a vinyl documentary for CBS, and I was I was going around the country interviewing law enforcement people, um, people in politics, astronauts, um, and scientists, military people, and just to kind of get their collective opinions and views and experiences on UFOs. While I was doing this, I got a call one day from Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And I'm sure that um, many people in your audience will recognize the name. Uh, Allen Hynek was uh, an astronomer uh, and from Northwestern University in Chicago. But for 22 years, uh, he was the official scientific consultant and spokesperson for the United States Air Force Project Blue Book, um, which which went from the 19 late 40s in, and ended in 1969, and and Heineck was a debunker. He was a non-believer in UFOs, and his job for the Air Force was to, whenever there was a big sighting or report going on, the Air Force would send him to various locations, and tell him to make it go away. Let's quiet down the growing public alarm and interest in this. So he was already well-versed in how to be a skeptic. He called me in the middle of my UFO album. At this point, we had become friends. And he asked me if I could go down to North Carolina to investigate a series of UFO sightings that he was hearing about from the law enforcement officials down there. He had no investigators down there, and he said, can you take the time and go down there and look look into this, do some interviews for me, and if it looks really interesting, I'll publish your findings through the Center for UFO Studies, which he was, at that point, the director of. So I said to him, uh, well, Alan, yes, I'd be very interested in this. What are they reporting? He said, well, here in 1975, it's something we haven't heard much about. It's it's a triangular object. It's boomerang shaped, and and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you're going to send me to North Carolina um, to look for perhaps and even see a flying Dorito. 
I, you know, I, I don't know that that's what I want to see. I mean, I'd, I'd like to maybe see a real classic flying saucer. So he, he said to me, look, if, if you don't want to go, and I said, don't finish that thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because there's no way I'm going to piss you off by telling you I don't want to go down and see a flying Dorito. Right. And, and so I went down to Lumberton, North Carolina, and within a few hours of arriving at the sheriff's department, I hit the jackpot. I mean, Dorito or no Dorito, this was amazing. The calls started coming into the sheriff's dispatcher, and people were seeing this thing again. And into one of the sheriff's cars we went. There were several cars with different uh, there were police officers, highway patrolmen, sheriff's deputies, and we were all in touch with each other through the car radios, and we all converged onto this big field. It was already, it was after sunset, no moon, there were stars, and we got out of the cars, and we were standing in front of the field, and as we looked across the field, uh, the only sound we could hear were animals that appeared, we're standing there, and as, as we're looking across the field to a line of trees, at the tops of the trees, we could see this alternating white and red light, just back and forth, red and white, moving slowly. And then it stopped until it was just about directly ahead of us at the trees. And then it started moving across the field in our direction. Uh, I, I, are, you hear, are you hearing the music now? I am. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just imagining in, my, in the back of my mind, you know, something... Yeah. Something like, I don't know, a big pile of potatoes shaped like a oh, yeah. cylindrical mountain and and yeah. uh, all the people sitting out there on the on the runway and the hand signals and I don't know, it sounds a little a little like this. Well, I know. You know, and again I had no con I had no conception at the time, none of us did, that there was gonna be a Steven Spielberg movie all about these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so we're watching and this, this thing gets closer and closer and closer until it stops. And, and hovers in the air just a couple of hundred feet above us, directly above us. And it was at that point, because of the lights on the bottom of it, that's when we could see the triangular shape because the lights were reflecting off of the, the actual craft itself. Um, it made no sound. It had no engine. Uh, nothing at all like that. Just It was just sitting there in the sky and I'm you know and I'm standing there and I'm thinking well I'm it's a mixture of total terror or total excitement because part of me was thinking well I feel pretty safe because I'm surrounded by these police officers and they're six shooters and then I and then I caught myself and I went oh, wait a minute how safe is that <laughs> if if this thing whatever it is is here to eat us or take us away is, is a guy with a six-shooter going to have any effect on this thing? <laughs> and and that, that's, I think that's probably the point where I started feeling both the sweat on my, on my brow and literally my heart pounding pretty fast because, because, I mean, there it was, whatever this thing was above us. And as we watched it, well, there, it, on both of the triangular sides of it, there was a row of white lights up one side and a row of red lights up the other. And at the apex of it was a, a larger, brighter light. And as we looked up and watched this thing, a beam of light came down out of it. And it landed right on the ground, the light, right in front of where we were standing. Man. And, 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 and it was like, okay, 
Now I was hearing music too, but it was more like like a like a death march. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you know? so when you share this story, and you've shared it many times, as a matter of fact, you know yeah. we're, we're chatting with Lee Spiegel here as a paranormal expert, a writer, producer. His website is leespiegel.com. Uh, Lee became the only person in history to produce a milestone UFO presentation at the United Nations. And, of course, he went on to write and produce and host nearly 1,500 programs on UFOs and unexplained phenomena on NBC Radio. And uh, you may have heard Lee also on uh, Coast to Coast, or you Mm -hmm. may have uh, read him in Huffington Post. Gee, I'm kind of rhyming. I feel like a rapper now. (laughs) This story, every time it gets told, you now have the possibility of those who are listening going, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Not a chance can I believe you. So I don't know you from a bar of soap, but here's, which is a weird expression. Um, But I know know this. I know this. I know that you make a living off of being a paranormal expert and writer, producer, and UFO guy and that sort of thing. So to have that experience has got to give you some validity, and whenever there's a paycheck involved, it's like preachers and, he, you know, the healing preachers, right? If they suck at healing, they're not going to make any money, so they they got to make sure the healing stuff works. Um, well, well, that's true, and and on, on that just little piece of context, I've always said any of the people who are the so-called psychics, who have big neon palms flashing in their windows and yeah. try and take your money, I always say that the people, you can always really kind of tell the the uh, the fraudulent from the legitimate ones the fraudulent ones are the ones who like to advertise themselves yeah yeah okay um so so we're again and i'm surrounded by credible legitimate law enforcement people who had no further idea about what we were seeing than i did yeah. um uh, th- this light that came down out of the craft it was only shining down on us for maybe three seconds at the most then it went back up into the craft, and the whole object suddenly turned an amber color. It it very slowly moved about, turned about 45 degrees, and started moving away, as if to say, I'm done with you guys. Now I'm going to find someone else to screw around with. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and it did, and we got into the cars, and again, trying to follow it, maintaining radio control with the other officers, we came upon several different cases of officers who had just had their own encounter with this thing. I found this burly, I, I, I use the word redneck lovingly because he's the kind of guy that even as a patrol officer, you wouldn't want to encounter him even in the daytime. He was so mean looking. Police chief Gary Moore was sitting in his patrol car and I went over to, to where he was sitting, and, and I introduced myself to him, and I said, well, Chief, what happened? He said, well, I'm just sitting here, and the whole inside of my car just lit up. And, and I thought, well, oh, okay. And th- then what happened? He said, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, he said, he said I, I kind of looked out from the window, stared up at it. Isn't it that, that scene with Richard Dreyfus in the truck in Close Encounters, right, looking yeah. up at this thing? Yeah, yeah. And there was this thing parked in the sky above my car. And I said, all right, well, what did you do? He said, I got out of the car, picked up my giant police lantern from the trunk. I aimed it up at the thing, and I blinked at it. And it blinked back. (laughs) Uh, Oh, uh, and then what happened, please, Chief Gary Moore? I blinked at it twice. And it blinked at at, at me back twice. Now, isn't that something like out of the... 
the mothership sequence with the five notes at the end of the movie. Sure, yeah. You know, and he said, and then it, then it just turned and went uh, away. Okay, so, um, oh, I've got so many questions. We're running out of time. I know. Lee, um, when it comes to people of faith believing in UFOs, do you right. see that there's a contradiction there? In other words, if there is a God, then there's no such thing as aliens. Have you ever heard that argument? Oh, yeah. And, and let, let, me t- let me tell you, Drew. First of all, the Vatican has no problem, because from statements from the Vatican itself, the Vatican has no problem with the idea and the possibility that we have interplanetary brothers and sisters. Mm. That's one thing, okay? Mm. Um, I've, I've interviewed several people from the Vatican, and, and, and they'll say things like, if... Um, if a Martian comes down, in fact, a few years ago, the Pope was giving a big speech, and he said in his speech why he would use this phrase, I don't know, but he actually said, if a Martian were to come down and land here and ask to be baptized, who am I to say no? <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Wow. And and also, uh, another uh, another priest um, uh, would, would say things like, we would have no problem sharing a pew inside a church with someone from another planet. And and here's another little thing that a lot of people don't realize, okay? That is, the Vatican has a whole team of exorcists. astronomers. Oh, astronomers, well, I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and exorcists as well. But they have astronomers who use an observatory in Rome as well as an observatory on a mountaintop in Arizona. And my question is always, what are they looking for? Why do they care what's going on out there? You know, there's a lot of things about the Vatican and, and its relationship to um, UFOs, the, the, possible, the possibility of visitors from somewhere else. And I also, I caution people all the time. It's all right to have a belief that we're not alone in the universe. Many people believe that and and science is getting closer and closer to that with all the the planets we now know are out there but i caution people to not just jump to the conclusion that ufos are all from other planets we 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 don't know that for sure and easily 90 95 percent of ufo sightings are explainable and misidentifications of things. I'm only interested in that 5% residue. And and really, the United States Air Force for many years was only interested in that same 5%. They only wanted to know about the sightings of things that could potentially affect or threaten the national security of America. That's understandable. So th- there's a lot about this that has much more to do than just perfect belief systems that people might have true believers and the true believers mm-hmm. they don't want to hear they don't want to hear you talking about this kind of stuff to them boom i saw something last night i know what i saw it's from alpha centauri don't bother me with the facts yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, i mean you know and years let me tell you drew years after my own encounter in north carolina with that dorito i i met up with 
one of the leading debunkers, UFO debunkers on the planet, Robert Schaefer, and and we knew each other. We 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 met up at a at a UFO conference in California, and I said to him, "Look, Robert, I want to tell you a story, something that happened to me in 1975. I've never told you about this before, and after I tell you the story, I want you, a debunker, you tell me what I saw." And and I gave him the whole story, like I just told you and your listeners. And at the very end, he said, well, if, if you haven't changed any of the details in your story in all these years, and if this is exactly what you and the others saw, the only thing that I can think of that makes sense, and here it comes. Are, are you sitting, Drew? I'm sitting. The only thing that makes sense is you probably saw in rural North Carolina in 1975 a remote-controlled kite. Wow. In 1975. Wow. Like, like, you know, Robert, it would have been, it would have made more sense if you had said to me what I saw was a super secret stealth um, bomber in production or, or you know, going through its tests. Yeah, but a remote controlled kite wow. that made no, that made no sound. That hovered. It, it knew where we were and it shot a beam down. I mean, really, that's the best you can do. Oh, the man. bunkers will will pull at any extreme, any any threads of string that they can to make this go away. They don't want this to come out for a, a variety of reasons that go that goes right straight to, to the government. And not just our government, Drew. It's the governments of the world. This this is not just an American issue. And people need to remember that. This is global, which is why I wanted to take this to the United Nations in nineteen seventy eight. You are, um, you must be a blast at parties. That's kind of what I want to say. Seriously. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you know, it's not like I can go up to someone and say, hey, would you like to see my saucers? No, you don't <laughs> want to say that. Or my Dorito. Or, 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 or can I show you my beam of light? Yeah, no, you don't want to say that. No, nope, well, stay you away. You know, when, when, when people find out who I am for the first time and I say, I, I'm a writer, what, what, what kind of things do you write about? Well, I write a lot about UFOs, UFOs. Oh, and and they'll immediately have a, one kind of reaction or another. Oh, oh, that's just crap. There's nothing to it. Yeah. No. Is, is there anything else you do for a living that might interest me? Uh, <laughs> so oh, I said, listen, this is this is my beat. I've been doing this for a long time on NBC and on the Huffington Post, and and I've met a lot of people along the way in the government and the military who have created my opinion on what may or may not be going on mm. um you know for people who who are skeptical great i think skepticism is important but if you come at this uh and basically say there's nothing to it it could all be explained nothing more to see here move along yeah. then what that says to me is you haven't done any real solid uh long-term legwork yeah. you haven't really examined this or spoken to the people who have examined this, and therefore you don't have an opinion. Okay, as far Lee, as I'm concerned. Lee, let me yeah. ask you: Do you have an easier time believing in UFOs and aliens, or mm -hmm. ghosts and spirits? Oh, you know what? Interesting, Drew. And I, uh, I will preface that by saying these two topics are are probably the most interesting topics that humans have wondered about since humans started wondering they humans want to know are we alone in the universe and this the other question is do we survive physical death yes those two questions i can't think of anything else that humans 
uh, would want to know about, would really want the answers to. So I'm kind of equal uh, on, on the, the concept of someone from another planet, another dimension, another reality, yeah. as well as the, the ghost stories. There are so many of these stories um, that, that you just simply can't d disavow them. And, and, and again, the biggest thing, Drew, whether it's UFOs or ghosts, or ESP, or th things like that, is the worst thing that you can do with people is to ridicule them. Right. Is to make is to make fun of them and just shrug it all off. But it's so easy to do that, though. Yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, I'm sure in Canada you have the same kind of situation as we do here. The 11 o'clock news on TV, you know, it's a half-hour news broadcast. They do the news, the sports, the weather, and in the last 30 seconds of the newscast, they'll they'll be the, the news anchors will be laughing with each other and they'll say, "Oh, by the way, let's tell them about that story about you know the uh, the oval shaped thing that appeared over Toronto last night." Yeah, uh, it's hard to to get around the ridicule factor. Yeah. Uh, listen, Lee, thank you very, very much. Uh, and the, the website, again, is LeeSpiegel.com. LeeSpiegel.com. He's a paranormal expert, writer, producer, and uh, he happens to be also uh, an acquaintance of, uh, well, we have a mutual friend, Michael Donovan, and he's the big cheese behind OuterPlaces.com. Lots of interesting stuff, fodder out there for people to go to. Lee, we're going to have to get you back on the show again. Would you mind? Oh, no, let's, let's get me back on, you know, for like 35 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. No, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, Drew. Thank you, Lee. Bye-bye.